And welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. Hello, Gavin. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Seems like forever. Seems like forever, except for in true AJ and Gavin fashion. Although we just hung out with each other, what would be 72 hours ago or something, we did not record in person. We we almost we, had the plan to. We this was the closest we've gotten to recording in person in three years. Uh, I mean, it was it was out of your control. Getting back in time, and we we could have maybe still done it, but we decided, you know what? Now nah, let's just hang out and have fun, and we'll record on Tuesday. So here we are, Tuesday afternoon, our quasi new regular recording time. <laughs> yes, uh, but. The good news is we've now completely changed what we were going to be talking about, and I'm very excited that we are now doing the episode we are doing today, which we will get to shortly. But how are you, good sir? What's what's happened since I saw you this weekend, like three days ago? What has happened since this? Since it, well, we had our year-end performance. That is correct. So how did that go? It went really well. Uh, went a little late. Went a little long. Uh, but. Uh, Fantastic. Our uh, our dean has uh, officially entered, uh, well, he, he was his last day on the 27th. So we are in, in midst of a transition from dean to dean. Uh, so that brings with it new duties and new, uh, you know, new roadmaps. Uh, but I'm looking forward to looking forward to uh, moving in the new direction. There you go. There you go. How about uh, yourself? I've Nothing much. Just enjoyed the three-day weekend. Yeah. Uh, hung out here in the Fresno area with Jessica. Just did hot yoga a couple times. Uh, went to the gym per usual. Ate a ton of yummy food this weekend. So that's good. And yeah, nothing too special. Went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, quite liked it. It was, it was very good, as I told you. But I feel not great. Whereas the, the two previous films you know, were fantastic. I feel like this one was actually the weakest of the bunch. And maybe that's just, you know, you're holding it up as this end of the trilogy, this triumphant finale. And it it did a very good job in that sense. Once again, still a very good movie, just not as good as the previous two. And I mean, that's also something that could just be said about sequels in general. But just because, you know, the first one was so solid, the second one was so solid, their characters always throughout the Avengers movies are so solid. And this one was solid, but just not as good as the two previous ones. However, without any spoilers, I will say I thought they did a good job wrapping it all up. And it is a very happy ending. Yes, it's it pulls on your heartstrings, you know, because, you know, it's the end. But Mm -hmm. Quasi spoiler alert: There's no tragic ending. Like the trailers really made it look like there was going to be something like that. There yes. isn't. It's it's very happy, and you, you know you 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 feel for the characters, but they're all moving on in a positive, good, alive direction. <laughs> no, it's funny. I w- I would definitely say uh, the trailer made me think it was not going to be such a happy ending it was going to be like a a spock leonard nimoy star trek two or three kind of ending yeah and it, it all has to do with that scene where they're carrying chris pratt and they're all walking behind spoiler alert that's the very beginning of the movie and he's just passed out drunk so uh. <laughs> <laughs> but and then like right then and there i realized okay we're not getting the the tragic you know it kind of throughout the film you think there's they, they tease it like somebody's gonna die but yeah but at the same time i was also happy i'm i i like happy endings i like the traditional hollywood way of doing it and it is always nice to be thrown a curveball and maybe get that tragic ending but i feel hollywood for the last 10 15 years has really gone down that dark path of like everything has to be you know so depressing in the end and I'm always for a good happy ending. Well, and if ever you uh, are seeking not to have happy ending, you could always watch a movie about a vigilante who jumps out of a plane at the very end. Yes, this is true. This is true. Okay. Uh, um, well, and, and, and so, and I, I think we had mentioned, uh, or I, I texted you that uh, the, I saw the film um, Kandahar mm-hmm. with um, Gerald Butler and di- <clears throat> directed by Rick Roman Wall. W a u g h. I'm sure it's pronounced slightly differently than I am trying to pronounce it. 
But it was actually a very fun mid-size action drama uh, thriller. Okay. Had a lot of fun. Uh, he's He directed uh, one of my favorite independent thrillers called uh, Shock Caller from 2017. So I know he's also done the Angels, the Angels Fallen series, but really like Shock Caller. So when I was making my choice of what film to slip into this Sunday or Monday uh, – it was easily it was an easy decision because I wanted to check out his his latest work because you never know how long mid size action movies stay in movie theaters for. This is true, or even I don't even think it's playing where I am. That's why when you mentioned it, I hadn't even heard of it, but I'll have to double check. Uh, it may the, the funny part is the the convenient thing is, excuse me, those kind of films are usually playing at the theater right down the street from me, so uh-huh. it's super convenient. In that theater, God, we wish good seats. Uh, not the greatest sound and terrible patrons that go there. Unfortunately, it's a lot of teenage kids that are just always talking the whole time and stuff. So it, and that just, you know, is one of my biggest pet peeves. I'm all about movie theater etiquette and these days there just isn't any, but anyway, I digress. Let's talk about martial arts movie news. Indeed. Uh, So big one. I just saw this morning that the trailer has finally dropped for Hidden Strike, a.k.a. Snafu, the previous working title, the long-awaited Jackie Chan-John Cena collaboration. The film, I believe they finished filming it like in 2018 or 19. Something like that. Probably because of COVID and then all sorts of other stuff. uh, It's been postponed, postponed, postponed. And there's a trailer out for it now. And in all honesty... I mean, I think I'll go see it. Then again, I I always try to give Jackie a chance, and this is just going to sound terrible, but it doesn't look as bad as some of his other recent output, including like kind of the international collaborations he does. So uh, I'm hoping they purposely aren't trying to show a lot of the funny beats because it does look like the humor falls really flat. Like from the cut of the trailer, it does not look like Jackie and John Cena have much chemistry, but it does look like Jackie does a good job or is trying his best, especially in the comedy department. But for some reason, I don't know if it's just the way they cut the trailer. John Cena just seems really out of place. And he comes across as a little stiff. And I know sometimes his humor is can play off the stiffness. Right. But I mean, I think he's shown that he's evolved so much. Uh, as a comical actor, especially with his show Peacemaker, that he can exactly. handle any style of comedy. And that's why I'm kind of like, maybe it's just the cut of the trailer. Maybe it's, I don't know. So the action looks, it, the special effects actually look pretty good. So it looks like it's mm-hmm. definitely special effects heavy, kind of Mad Max-esque, a lot of the mm-hmm. the action. It's like in the desert with big old trucks. But it, the special effects look far superior to most of his uh, recent Chinese films he's done uh, or even kind of the international ones like Vanguard and stuff or Kung Fu Yoga. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Obviously, it'll get a release here. I'm sure I will go see it and hopefully not be too heartbroken. Uh, do you have any martial arts movie news today? Well, of course, uh, we know that a, a film of our Sifu, Sifu Don Naim, is being re-released, remastered, uh, or has been. Vinegar Syndrome has released... Uh, Undefeatable. And real quick, I totally forgot to finish my order before oh, the no. holiday weekend sale. And I realized this morning I went on there that the website's like down for the moment. It's going to be back in June. Uh-huh. So I just hope that the, the prices aren't too bad because I had a whole basket of movies. I had like five I was going to buy. And you even texted me saying you just bought them. I was like, oh, thanks for the reminder, dude. And then I completely forgot. So that I, I, I had my box was up to about six or seven items. And then I, I, uh, Leaned it out to two that I that were must haves for me. So now the question undefeatable, is undefeatable, and then Iceman Cometh with yeah. uh, Yun Bian Yun Wah because it's it's that's not an easy one to get a hold of. No, I I still have my DVD I got in Chinatown like twenty something years ago, so mm-hmm. that was in my basket. Now, did you also purchase a Blu-ray player? Not yet. Yeah, so that would be a smart move, buddy. Yes. Well, it it. Uh, it it needed yeah. the inspiration, and the inspiration has arrived. There you go. All right. Well, hopefully you pick one up. Uh, that's great, great news. There's definitely some good sales this weekend. I kind of, I did, ended up not really uh, purchasing anything. I was supposed to through Vinegar Syndrome, so hopefully I can do that in a couple of days because there's a couple of other really good ones I want on there. They have a special collector's edition of Sidekicks, one of my, you know, 
most inspirational yes. films on the movies that got me I into know. martial arts. And I already have, I have it on VHS, I have it on DVD, but you know, I'll, I'll pick it up on Blu-ray as well. So yeah, that's kind of the main stuff in martial arts movie news that I can think of, uh, for us. I mean, there's always stuff going on obviously. And, uh, it's nice to have movies back out in the theaters. I haven't seen, I haven't talked to anybody yet. That's really seen fast X. So I don't know how, but I, what I've heard is, it's the same thing that the, all the other movies are, yet somehow it's still entertaining. And I heard that some of the action is a little more grounded as compared to the last two films. Will I go see it? Maybe if it's convenient in like a few weeks and... Uh, yeah. A matinee screening, probably. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, and those movies are usually pretty long, too. So even if it's a matinee, I'll probably get out around dinner time. So maybe the timing will be perfect. Uh, but yeah. Do you have any movie quotes for me today? I do. I do have one. Okay. What are you doing with my wife? Hmm. I'll, do you want me to... Well, I think I need a little more context than that. I don't know if you do, if I just try the voice. Okay. What are you doing with my wife? Oh, undefeatable. Yes. There, there we go. go. Okay. All right. Nice. Nice. I like it. Uh, yeah. And... Uh... <laughs> But uh, the great undefeatable with uh, Sifu Don Nayam. So, dang it. I, and I'm definitely going to purchase that. I don't care if it's full price again in a couple of days. Because I've, and we've talked about this numerous times, not to digress real quick, but it's, in my opinion, such a good movie. Like, I, when I first saw it, it was, I think it was like seventh grade, I said, or eighth grade, and mm -hmm. it was playing on Action Max, the Cinemax Action Channel. So this would have been about five years after it came out. And I remember watching it and just like, yeah, the the kind of torture, you know, sexual assault scenes were a little weird but the action i just thought was so good and i remember showing it to my friends you know forced them to watch the movie and they kind of laughed at it but I, I was like what are you what are you guys laughing at this is just so like the action the, the is stellar action, the action is top of the line and we've talked about this before without without don nyam that film could be forgettable or it could be just another one of the the films that Cynthia Rothrock churned out. I think there's there's a period where she she was churning out a lot of films. He sets that film apart. It is it is a bona fide cult classic. Cult hands classic. down. Yes, it's a lot of fun. The final fight between uh, he and John Miller is kind of pretty fantastic. It's one of the better fight sequences of a Hong Kong directed produced film featuring two Western actors, the exception probably being uh, Blood Moon. Well, I mean, I think I would, I would argue with you in a sense because I do love the ending fight, but what it is to me is, uh, yeah, actually I would strongly disagree in a sense because what I think it is though, it's the best combination. What are you disagreeing with? I'm disagreeing with being one of the best, but I think it's one of the most unique and it's still a very great scene because what it does is it combines that Hong Kong style with the total 80s machismo style of, you know, where it was very like, I punch, you punch, I kick, you kick. And what they're doing is they're taking that same like ripped, awesome physiques on both these guys, but putting it more in a Hong Kong style framework. So it's very unique in that sense. And it's got way more dynamic, dynamic camera movement. So for mm -hmm. example, like top scenes, you're spot on, like Blood Moon, No Retreat, No Surrender 3. We're talking the Hong Kong U.S. collaborations. Yeah. Even uh, Honor China O'Brien. China O'Brien, even Honor and Glory. Well, China O'Brien didn't really have too many one-on-one -on -one fight scenes. They had some it didn't, great, but it had some great group, group fight, fight scenes. scenes. Yeah, Honor and Glory even, right? Uh, no Retreat, No Surrender 2, uh, even American Shaolin. These kind King, of all- where, where does King of the Kickboxers fall in on that? They're same thing. Seasonal films, yeah. another one. Exactly, the Billy Blanks, Lauren Avedon. These are the ones that really kind of more utilized- that straight Hong Kong style in the Absolutely. execution. Now, but I think maybe the most unique would be the John Miller, Don Nyam fight scene because of, as I said, that kind of amalgamation of both Eastern and Western style filming yeah. of fight scenes. So you're saying it is the best? I'm saying it is I'm, one I'm of the best, I'm... but in its own unique way. No, I, I agree. It's, it's sort of like, it's a sweet spot that a lot of other films don't actually capture. Usually it's, it bends a little more Hong Kong or a little more Western. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, you, you just listed all the films where it works, but when it comes to bending a little more Western, finding a perfect hybrid, this, this is, this is that film. Anyway, 
I know I, I know I'm looking forward to the special features. I've never actually, outside of one John Miller interview, I haven't uh, ever seen an interview by him. I've read an interview with him. I'm looking forward to the the special feature with uh, Don Sifu Don and. Uh, but we don't need to turn this into an unpaid advertisement, so I will stop talking. There we go. Okay, so are you ready to discuss what we are discussing today? Oh, do we have license to discuss? Oh, you stole my line. Oh, did I? Oh, all right. So today we are talking about the underappreciated and probably underviewed Hong Kong action classic License to Steal, directed by Billy Chan from 1990, produced by the one and only Sammo Hung and starring Joyce Mina Gadenzi. We've also got uh, Richard Ng in mm-hmm. there. We've got Colin Cho in one of his very first uh, roles, especially in a Hong Kong film. We've got mm-hmm. the one and only Yuen Biao. And we've got a plethora of other stars, uh, including a fantastic antagonist in Agnes Aurelio. But then we've mm-hmm. also got minor roles uh, from Billy Chow, and we've got cameos from Corey Ewan, uh, and all sorts of other great performers. Yeah, it, it's it's an absolute cracker of a cast and uh, cracker. Since I'm using, it, although now now the way I'm using it doesn't sound necessarily right, but it is just a fantastic cast. Everybody has the perfect balance. It just the balance of this film works, and uh, and best part is we got to see it on the big screen and first time viewing for both of us. So, little background on to how this weekend happened. It was a couple weeks back. And I had just gotten back uh, to California. I'm uh, checking social media. haven't been on there for a minute. And it popped up on Facebook of all places. The American Film Institute was doing an entire Sammo Hung month. And mm-hmm. how I didn't know about this in advance or how it wasn't, you know, popped up for me before is beyond me. I'm like, if anything, this should have been on my algorithms from the get-go. But I couldn't believe it. I We had already missed the first weekend. I wasn't even in town. But they had a lineup. So the American Film... Uh, sorry, the Academy of Motion Pictures Museum. Not American Film Institute. My apologies. The Academy of Motion Picture uh, Museum was putting on this whole Sammo Hung uh, month. And so I, I see it. We look at the schedule. And, you know, I, have a, I had a really busy May. But... And we were gonna, we already missed Pedicab Driver. We had already missed uh, what? What else is that first weekend? Um, not Million, Eastern Millionaires Condors. Express. Millionaires yes, Express. Yes, thank you. Uh, and uh, you know that was just a bummer as it was. The next weekend, I wasn't going to be able to make it. Uh, but I, I even had tickets to Eastern Condors, yes. and I just could not make it. Right. And fortunately, we've both seen Eastern Eastern Condors on the big screen before at the New Beverly. And then the next weekend, which I also wasn't going to be able to make, was Skinny Tiger, Fatty Dragon, and I was so bummed about that. One of my all time favorites. But it ended up working out for the best because the last weekend was Samuel Hung produced and or directed films. So uh, not ones he, he cameos in all of them technically from the last weekend, but they weren't his starring roles. And I was a little bummed, but then I saw that they were going to be featuring License to Steal, Mm -hmm. which I have never seen because I've never been able to get a copy of it. I've only ever seen like one fight scene on YouTube of very poor quality. And I'm one of those people I like to wait until I've seen a movie in its, 100% legitimate format, whether that's on Blu-ray, whether it's on the big screen, or even I managed to find an older DVD of some sort. So I had never seen it. So it was, the first night was a double screening of She Shoots Straight, an absolute classic Golden Harvest film from the Girls With Guns subgenre that we have already reviewed before. So you can go back and check out that episode from about nine months ago where we review the absolutely amazing She Shoots Straight. So that was the first movie. And then second was License to Steal. And that was the one we were both pumped for. And I can say, hands down, that it was the most satisfying quote unquote, kung fu movie viewing experience I've had in a very long time. Because when you've been a fan as long as we have, you get a little jaded, you get a little mm-hmm. burned out sometimes, you get a little underwhelmed, 
But no, this, from start to finish, I was on the edge of my seat. I had a smile on my face. You heard me wincing going, ooh, from some of the stunts. You heard me laughing from a lot of the Richard Ng comedy. And I couldn't have been happier walking out of that theater. And as we jokingly said, we've gone to a lot of these double or even triple screenings, usually for Gavin and I both due to our schedules, you know, him working crazy hard, me working out all the time. By the time even the second movie plays, well, we usually need a caffeine pick-me-up and we're still kind of like eyes fluttering. No, I was 100% awake the entire time without any food or drink because due to the fact that the screening is in the the museum, there's no food or drink allowed in the theater. Right. And, you know, um, I couldn't have said it better myself because we've watched a lot of films and to to see a film that's playing like Skinny Tiger, Fatty Dragon, we get excited about it because we know it's good. That's one of the movies we want to support. We want to get out there. Same with Eastern Condors, almost any Sammo film. Uh, there are also, so there are a lot of hits in martial arts cinema. There are a lot of hits in Hong Kong cinema. That's why we have this show. That's that's how we, that's where our friendship bonded. We were kickboxing teammates beforehand. Then we ran into each other at uh, Legend of Drunken Master, Drunken Master 2 screening, and you were wearing a Samo shirt. And that's how we, uh, we had, uh, I think it was the first Drunken Master, actually. Uh, we were, you know, we, we forged a friendship over martial art films because we love these films. And... We have a lot, obviously, our listeners do as well. Our families have supported us for years. Everybody who's listening knows, and our families know this as well, that there are also a lot of misses. So there are a lot of hits, but there are a lot of misses. And when they miss, they miss bad. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a major strikeout. And there's always so there's always a slight risk when you're going in to see a film for the first time, particularly with stars, producers, actors that you gravitate towards. And to have this not just be a hit, but to be as fun, energetic, crisp, funny as it was, this, you know, it'd be hard for me to walk away from this podcast and say this wasn't an A++++ experience. This was, this is, these are the kind of films that if this were my first martial art Hong Kong film, I would want to get to know Hong Kong films after this film. Excellent. Excellent. Very well put. And I mean, it's it's a night and day difference from She Shoots Straight. And we've talked about that. And we love She Shoots Straight. But in all honesty, there really isn't much martial arts action in She Shoots Straight. In fact, you don't get straight just kind of hand to hand combat until the very end. And that film is very much a straightforward melodrama. It's a Mm -hmm. police procedural kind of thriller in a sense, very dark and gritty, a few little comical beats, but very comparable to like a film in America, nothing localized, nothing over the top. It's just very straightforward. This film was a complete opposite tone right out the gate. First of all, when it comes to the action in this film, yes, there was like some kind of car chase and running and almost like parkour type stuff, but a majority of the action was martial arts based. And from the opening scene till the end, it is, you are given plenty of martial arts in this and not only plenty of martial arts, oh my gosh, is it good. And not only is it good, it's performed by literally some of the best in the business And so much so, you don't get just one. You pretty much get two finales for the price of one. So It's true. That's spot on. Yeah. And it was great to watch She Shoots Straight, you know, on the big screen. But it was also great to see the side-by-side comparison of these two films. Yeah, She Shoots Straight probably had a slightly bigger budget. Yeah, obviously, Samuel has an actual role in that one. So that's always a plus. But License to Steal, we saw the involvement of Joyce Mina Gadenzi, who once again, Samuel Hung's wife, as an actor and action star. Now, she definitely got to flex her acting chops a little bit more and she shoots straight. But mm-hmm. in this film, we saw how much she evolved in that short period of time as a martial arts performer. And so we had hints of this in She Shoots Straight, where there's certain slow motion kicks where the camera doesn't cut because you expect it to, because you think it's a double that's not. It's her. She does like a fantastic flip kick, which uh, 
she replicates in this film. Couldn't quite tell if it was her necessarily, but I think it was. But anywho, there was a few moments in She Shoots Straight where you're like, wow, that's very impressive. But as we noted in our previous analysis of the film, there was something kind of slightly awkward about her upper body movement, like her pretty much her punching and blocking and stance. Everything from the waist up was kind of unnatural. It, it looked like she was almost still learning what to do with with her hands, as I jokingly said, like Ricky Bobby, you know, doesn't know what to do with his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her kicks were on point. Now, in this film, we see how much she's evolved in not only her kicking and acrobatic ability, there's so many moments where you expect it to once again cut, and it doesn't, it's her. And I, I said maybe there was one or two where it might have been slightly even wire-assisted, but even still, if the, even if it was, still very impressive what she's able to pull off. But not only that, the evolvement of her hands yes. in the action scenes she is now able to do the straight kickboxing style and looks like a pro so much so she gets to go toe-to-toe multiple times with billy chow maybe one of the greatest kickboxers of hong kong cinema and i say that because you know of his extended career not just one or two films like say benny the jet or our sensei peter cunningham but you know former WKA world champion and she goes toe to toe with him. And that was one of the things afterwards you and I both were just instinctively like, wow, did you see how much better she was with the, the, both the rhythm, the execution, the shapes, the lines. So you can see the work she put in and probably the work that Samo and his stunt team put in with her as well. So she wasn't, this isn't a, a thing of like, you know, someone be like, Oh, nepotism. Oh, Samo just, you know, put her in there because she was his wife. Well, maybe, but she had to put in the work. She had to go through all of the same type of training that everybody else does. There was no shortcuts. And the cool part was the Academy of uh, Motion Pictures, they actually are, they filmed a documentary with Sammo. They had, they mentioned, right? And we got mm-hmm. to see one of the first clips of his interview. So yep. it was a short little bit, about two, three minutes long, where he talks about his introduction of Joyce Mina Cadenzi into the Hong Kong film industry. And he jokingly said he wanted her to be an action star. So pretty much he could quit and she could support him, but also talking about how she had to work hard, how, you know, she complained. She didn't want to do it. Just like we've heard about a lot of action stars, how rough and insane the shooting demands were of classic Hong Kong cinema. But man, by the time you get to this film licensed to steal it's you're you're bummed she didn't have a greater library of work and more chances to shine. Yeah, great, great point. And uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's very interesting comparing the two films. Obviously, the first film, uh, She Shoots Straight, directed by Corey Yoon, one of the greatest action directors. Uh, when we saw that cut, we saw a few extra. Uh, pieces of film in it got to see some even i feel like even in the boat sequence there were some more tracking shots that we didn't see in the in the in the first version that we had seen but what's interesting is in this film as opposed to that film because that film was definitely a heavily dramatic film she is surrounded outside of richard ing by martial art performers Mm -hmm. so the whole set, I mean, you have Yun Biao, who, in my opinion, is obviously one of the greatest kickers on in uh, in martial arts cinema history. You have Colin Cho. You have, uh, what, what I love also is that they bring back Agnes Aurelio, who worked with her in the final fight from She Shoots Straight. So there is a certain level of comfort there that you get when you continue to work with the same performers that Samuel got when he was working with Lara Carr Wing back in the back in the 70s, early 80s, and you know, with Jackie Chan and Yun Biao. When you get this sort of comfort of you sort of ex- you get to explore a little more. And you're obviously you already mentioned Billy Chow. I think the second uh looking at the cast, I think we were having a hard time placing the second henchman, but I think it was Jung Il Choi? Yes, Jung Il Choi. So I also looked him up later and he had been working in within Hong Kong film since the early 80s, especially some, you know, Korean uh, Hong Kong collaborations. So yeah. obviously he is a Taekwondo practitioner, if I had to guess. As I, as I said to Gavin afterwards, I was like, he looks kind of like Dragon Lee. I mean, I knew it wasn't Dragon Lee, but he had uh, a lot of those distinct facial features. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, please keep going. Well, essentially, I... I, I don't know if to see how, what a quick study she was, because I think 
the release date for both of these movies are they were allegedly shot in the same year. I would project that maybe they were, maybe they're six months, nine months apart. Uh, but it just shows how much effort went in through the first film and into this film. Uh, and being surrounded by all these great martial artists, there's a sequence where she's taking on Billy Chow and then Yun Biao flips over, kind of over her back. And now, then he starts taking on Billy Chow and uh, the the aforementioned, uh, sorry, I don't have his name completely memorized yet, but Jong Il Choi. Mm-hmm. So there's, if ever there's a moment where, if when they're choreographing, she there might be a beat where in the past she may not have kept up you have Yun Biao jumping in then she's jumping in it's it's this constant motion of of kind of a high kinetic energy that's happening that is what we love from uh from the 80s uh golden era of of sort of this kickboxing style martial arts filmmaking and the cool part is you know Yun Biao is just such an amazing performer but his character who's definitely Wacky to say the least. Not crazy. Not like mentally unstable. As we joke, we we kind of said it's almost like an involvement of his character from Dragons Forever. He's just kind of lives in the clouds. He he believes, not believes, but it's almost like someone that takes a hobby way too far, mm-hmm. or even almost like a cosplayer if they really tried to live their life as a character. <laughs> yes. He believes he's a swordsman from like a wuxia novel. That's how he lives his life. I mean, he doesn't literally think that, but he, you know. He wants to live by those that Those code. codes, right? Like the wuda, like the equivalent of like Bushido. And he happens to be Richard Ng's nephew in the film who's a police detective. So uh, his style of fighting, it's... It, you know, certain moments of it's very modern, but it's also a lot of more traditional style. So even when we get to see him throw down with Billy Chow, Billy Chow's doing a very good straight kickboxing, pop, 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 kicks his punches up. And then, and you know, more like Muay Thai elbows and knees. And then we have Yuan Biao using kind of a more traditional form, but also utilizing the same techniques, kicks, punches, elbows. Uh, there's a great little comical beat where he does more of like a traditional Chinese Kung Fu like yes. elbow attack and hits a wall. But... Uh, it, it just goes to show how strong he is as a performer, but he still gets to utilize a lot of his famous kicks that he's known for, uh, which are a lot of spins, a lot yeah. of body movement, a lot of three sixties, a lot of one eighties. What you know? What when I reflect on this film, and there's a fight sequence this sequence that happens very early on between Yun Biao and Colin Cho uh, on the bicycle when he's chasing him down. What what what? occurred to me in hindsight like a few days 72 hours after seeing this film letting it marinate is there's a fight sequence in winners and sinners that we've talked about where it's jackie chan and you uh yun biao fighting together mm-hmm. i almost felt like this had the same this is a little longer but it had that same feel to it uh of quick crisp fighting between two characters that the audience likes and supports and it almost felt to me not like a passing of the torch, but uh, giving Colin Cho an opportunity to shine because we don't, you know, down the as the film progresses, Colin Cho doesn't necessarily get as much. He gets a great fight sequence in the parking garage or the construction site, but at the at the end of the day, Yun Biao gets to take on Billy Chow there. Yeah. So this this is a nice opportunity to shine some light on Colin Cho for for a lighthearted film. With essentially three protagonists that can fight, we don't necessarily get three hardcore fight sequences in the beginning like that traditional, oh, here's your hero, he can do this, here's your villain, they can do this, and eventually they cross paths. It's let's have two of our heroes intersect, have sort of a a moment to show what Colin Cho can do as well on film. So in many ways, this is uh, not his his first film, I don't believe, but- The same as it's not Joyce Cadenzi's first film, but it's it's a great way of showing the world what these two performers are capable of. And, you know, fast forward about a decade, two decades, maybe 15 years after this, uh, we have Flashpoint, right? How many women's oh, Flashpoint come out? Yeah, I thought you were going to say The Matrix. Yeah, that would be about right. That would be, yeah. I think it was 2008. So about yeah. 18 years later. Yeah. yeah. And so for people that don't know, Colin Cho uh, is a Taiwanese martial arts actor, performer, stuntman that was a protege pretty much of Sammo Hung, part of the Sammo Hung stunt team. And he had done a few movies before this, 
a couple of Hong Kong ones and uh, I believe some like a Taiwanese one or two, uh, a few Taiwanese films. But this, I, I feel, is one of those roles where you really got to see him also show, you know, his comic chops, his physicality. You mm-hmm. know, there's a the whole part where he doesn't have a shirt on, not in a way of like a machismo way, more of like a comical way, but you see what good of shape he was in at that time too. And he would maintain and probably most Western audiences remember him as Seraph from the second and third Matrix films, which he was fantastic in. Uh, Speaking of of characters who aren't always clothed in their films, Richard Ng does get to show his comedic chops again somehow, some way the characters around him get him to take off his clothes, most notably in winner, winning, Winners and Sinners. He's he's stark naked, but always blocked, sort of like an Austin Powers film. But he in this film, he almost gets just as naked uh, because he thinks there's a bug or a bomb, right? Yeah, that's in his clothes. Uh, so- yeah, so he's, he's removing you know, his shirt, then his pants, then his shoes. Then the joke's on him when he finds out yes. there is no bomb. But we should probably mention the plot real quick, which... That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it's funny because at the beginning, it, the, they set up a good, you know, basic straightforward plot. And really, though, by like halfway through the movie, they've kind of abandoned certain elements of it slash certain characters, which mm-hmm. I really didn't have an issue with. It, it was kind of yeah. like, you know, it still had a consistent thread throughout, but... The basic premise of the story is Joyce Mina Gadenzi belongs to this family, quote unquote, of thieves. You know, they're uh, they're adopted by like the master thief and it's this almost like secret society. And they have uh, this special disc, which is how all the jobs are sent to them for like, you know, almost like an early Internet type thing where mm-hmm. that's how they get <laughs> the infer- their their missions pretty much like a yeah. Mission Impossible type thing. And so her like, you know, family, thief family sister is played by uh, Agnes uh, Aurelio, right? Yes. Did I say that correctly? Yes. Uh, Who really, there's not much known about her. You know, I tried to find stuff online, but uh, from what I've gathered is she's a Filipino-American that did a couple Hong Kong movies and apparently appeared in JFK. Uh, in a deleted scene. We're talking about the Kevin Costner, Oliver Stone, JFK. But anywho, this family of thieves and on one of their jobs, Agnes Aurelio betrays the whole family, plus leaves Joyce Mina Gadenzi behind to get arrested, steals the disc, and then starts her own operation. So now it's a few years later. Joyce is out of prison and is going to reunite with uh, the rest of her family, pretty much like the surrogate father and her other sister when uh richard ing and his new young hot shot partner uh colin cho show up because they want her help to bus agnes aurelio's character who's now this master thief and so forth and she never agrees but kind of almost uh inadvertently ends up teaming up with richard ing and colin cho and then it's at that point where the the plot kind of dissipates in a sense it's sort of like it becomes more of a game of cat and mouse directly between Agnes Aurelio and Joyce Cadenzi, which, and once again, that's why I have nothing that, you know, the fact that they kind of abandoned the whole family of thieves is like, all right, cool, whatever. Uh, even towards the end, like Richard Ng kind of almost disappears, right? Like we don't really get any conclusion with him. We still get Colin Cho because, you know, he's delivering the action, but really about halfway through the film, it kind of evolves in this game of cat and mouse between the two and, the uh, stealing of Napoleon's mask, this French mm-hmm. artifact that is in Hong Kong, and Joyce Gadenzi trying to stop Agnes from stealing it, which, though, once again, still technically uh, inadvertently helping the Hong Kong police and Richard Ng. But by the time we get to the finale, it's just down to the two of them. So that's the setup for a lot of great fight scenes. Uh, and Yuen Biao's thrown in there just pretty much as this kind of random character who plays Richard Ng's nephew and is always causing them chaos because, you know, they'll be in the middle trying to capture someone. He shows up and although he's very competent in his martial arts abilities, he has a tendency to sometimes ruin their plot. So, uh, yeah. But once again, I think the character works. It doesn't feel forced. He's comical. And yeah, so that's a basic rundown of the plot. 
uh, I may have skipped some stuff, but hey, unlike She Shoots Straight, like we mentioned before, which is a very straightforward procedural, you know, cop drama, this one is much more of an action comedy. Definitely not of the low mate, uh, the, you know, Cantonese style, uh, Mole Tao uh, mm-hmm. comedy. It is just, you know, uh, an overall kind of action comedy. It is, it's, I'll say the, the comedy is definitely broad. There, there, there are films with Richard Ng that just work, and there are films where he works, but it doesn't work with the film. This is not like that at all. This, I think, is one of his most integrated comedy comedy outputs in an action film. I I put it in on par with uh, obviously we've mentioned I mentioned winners and sinners a few times. I'd also put his performance on par with miracles uh, because that one he was an integral player within that plot. I think slightly smaller, but still his comedy didn't take his comedy beats did not take away from miracles. Right, uh, and in this film, the comedy just what we like in our action films is for the for the plot to get us to the fight sequences and for the fight sequences to get us back to the plot to get us to the next fight sequence. So basically the story is told through the fight sequences and they're not just okay we're just we're buying time until the fight and then it doesn't the fight might may or may not make sense and then there's no emotional content. What we like are films that have emotional content in the fight sequences. And that also goes, this, that's the same for me and I think for us when it comes to comedy. We want our comedy to be integrated, not a distraction. And it is com- a complete integration. This film is, it's just, for me, it's integrated the whole way through. And as plot elements drop off, we don't notice it because you know what? They weren't needed. So let's just shed that, shed those characters. Let's keep moving. Let's keep going forward. Let's have fun. This is a fun film. It's very fun. Uh, And once again, we're not going into it thinking we're getting the next Academy Award winning motion picture. We're going into it wanting a fun, upbeat action comedy. But like you said, it also has that emotional content it, content it has that integrity so yeah i mean there's some it, not you know slight inconsistencies in the plot whatever big deal it it it's, it doesn't come off as them being lazy it just comes off as this is such a fast paced movie too that hey if you can't keep up sorry you're getting left behind but yeah Right, the opening sequence starts off, and that's how I knew we were in for something special and a a very different motion picture, was it starts off with a fantastic kendo scene. Once again, done very much in Hong Kong style, and I know you probably love this scene uh, just because you're obviously your connection to Japanese culture and appreciation for the sports of Japan. Uh, It would have only been better had they been doing sumo. (laughs) No, but... But but, yeah, you want to talk a little bit about it because I... No, absolutely. I'm actually glad you... uh, So... Obviously, when when we discuss films, um, AJ and I watch them bare minimum two times before we record, uh, and that might not mean that we that probably means that we've watched them at least five times in our life. So, with that said, this is a one time viewing, and I'm really glad you brought that scene back up because that scene, that scene, I loved. Uh, it's great, great swordsmanship. Great editing. I love the lighting. It's a little dimmer. It's a little smoky. It's in a dojo. Uh, but beyond just the action were the lines that the characters were giving each other. Essentially, uh, Joyce Minigadenzi uh, letting Agnes Aurelio's character know that, you know, you're trying to win too hard and therefore you will never win. And Agnes saying, I'm going to continue fully focused on just winning because one day I will win by, you'll see by any means necessary joys. Like basically they're unveiling their characters through their, through their swordsmanship. Uh, and yes, I'm glad you brought that scene back up because I, I loved, it's a great way to open it. You open right on action and you open right on essentially what we were talking about scenes, action scenes with emotional content that drive the story forward. Excellent. And it's just such a great way 
to catch our interest right out of the get-go. It's sort of like classic kung fu movies, having that opening sequence with the kung fu being displayed. I always appreciate it when a film starts off right with an action sequence, as long as it's quote-unquote organic, right? It, it, it fits with the rest of the narrative. It's sort of like when we reviewed Unleashed a few weeks back, that movie right out the gate, bam, just this fantastic opening action sequence. So throughout the film, we have so many great fight scenes, so many great action sequences. I mean, obviously, there's Yuen Biao's introduction where he ends up having a traditional kung fu battle with a uh, random pedestrian who thinks he's trying to steal her purse. But in actuality, he rescued or returned the purse from the real thief. And then so they kind of have a traditional kung fu battle. We also have, you know, Agnes, uh, excuse me, uh, Joyce Cadenzi fighting Agnes's two bodyguards a few times, which includes Billy Chow and Jong Il Choi. Uh, and then we have the first fight scene between Colin Cho and Yuen Biao, which is great because up to this point, Colin Cho has seemed like the Superman, right? He's this young, vigorous cop. And while in pursuit of the bad guys, he steals Yuen Biao's bike, not knowing who he is and thinking, and he's like, you know, I'll, I'll return or whatever. But Yuen Biao's like, nah, thief. And so he stops him therefore ruining the pursuit, but then they have a fight in which Yuen Biao easily handles him, just showing how skilled he is, but also Colin Cho is definitely taken aback, like, whoa. Uh, and then that's when, you know, obviously he learns, oh, it's Richard Ng's nephew. So lots of great fight scenes throughout uh, of the highest caliber, but really we should focus on the finales, the plural mm -hmm. too, because yes. we have two final battles. So the first one is... It, it it's it's hard to whether you want to call it an underground car park or a construction site. It's a little bit of both. Where we have our three main uh, action protagonists. So we've got Joyce Cadenzi, we've got Yuen Biao and Colin Cho, uh, and then Richard Ng in there for comical effect, taking on Billy Chow, uh, Jong Il Choi, and some henchmen. Right, there are henchmen in there. Yeah. Because uh, once again, we only got to watch the one time. I was able to rewatch the fight between uh, Billy Chow and what starts off as Joyce Cadenzi and then Yuen Biao. That one's on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I was able to rewatch that one, but you know, I couldn't find the rest of it. Uh, it may be out there somewhere. But this fight, oh my, it is so good. It's comparable to any of the other Samuel Hung like parking garage style fights, whether it is uh, Skinny Tiger, Fatty Dragon. Uh, pantyhose hero. I was gonna yeah, say it, it, it has was a similar feel. On par with as that uh, on par with the pantyhose underground garage fight sequence, which is top of the line. Even oh, Heart yeah. of the Dragon, it's it's right up there with that. Right, and that's where we get to see. And it, the only my only uh, critique of this scene is Joyce Cadenzi starts off amazing, and then they kind of abandon her for the rest of the scene, probably due to shooting reasons. So she starts off going toe to toe with Billy Chow doing just fine. Like, and that's what we yeah. were talking about. They're going kickboxing style. Yes. I mean, she's not a hundred percent. You watch her like, well, is she a kickboxing champion? No, but she does a fantastic job. Keep keeping up with Billy Chow's punches and kicks, blocking them in a much more natural way, having the rhythm, having the offensive counters that work. Uh, but then you and Biao jumps into quote unquote, kind of save her and tells her to go take care of his uncle and he'll take on Billy Chow. So yeah. really at that point, her part of the action's done. And simultaneously, we have Colin Cho taking on uh, Jong Il Choi, which is a great fight between the two of them because that's right. So Colin Cho fights the henchman, then uh, has to take on Jong Il Choi because he was fighting uh, Joyce Cadenzi's uh, adopted thief sister, who is not mm -hmm. a good fighter. So Colin Cho gets a throwdown with a bunch of henchmen, once again, showing how incredible his kicks and acrobatic abilities and athleticism is. Then he has a great final fight with Jong Il Choi. But the, the real highlight is Billy Chow versus Joyce Cadenzi, and then Billy Chow versus Yuen Biao, which concludes with a very uh, pa painful, painful, uh, finale for Billy Chow in two parts. So really, it, they're going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. As we've mentioned, uh, Yuen Biao's land some good shots, some good kicks. But then Billy Chow gets the upper hand uh, towards the end, and he's choking out Yuen Biao. So Yuen Biao takes one of his, uh, almost looks like uh, a dart. Yeah, like a bamboo dart. Uh, like a bamboo dart in his traditional, uh, you know, kung fu satchel of uh, tools he has. He has some very unique kind of uh, swordsman type things he carries around. And he pokes 
he stabs Billy Chow with this dart or needle in what looks like the leg at first, but then when Billy Chow gets launched up in the air, it, it it's made to look when he lands that the needle, how to put this politely, goes up his butt. Yeah, it it it's it's that uh, miss the market just the same as in writing wrongs where is it in her shoulder the the poke <laughs> or is it in her heart? So yeah, it it goes one way and then it goes another way, but it, it's it's like. And again, it brings in a little comedic element, yes. sort of like Jackie Chan in Police Story A, or not Police Story A, Project A, where he's on a bicycle chase, the bicycle seat falls off, he sits down yes. and he pokes himself. So it has that kind of element, but Billy Chow plays it like it hurts because oh, I'm yeah. sure it would hurt. And the audience was, everybody cringed like, ooh. And to give Billy Chow credit, he still keeps fighting. But I know he, <laughs> he eventually yes, tries he to still- run away because he's now lost the upper hand and accidentally blows himself up with a car bomb in his own car. So yeah, sorry, Billy Chow. So that's pretty much the conclusion of that fight scene, but just very crisp, very hard hitting. The choreography is phenomenal. They, and you'd think, okay, maybe this is the finale, but obviously Agnes Aurelia wasn't there. So our real, the the second finale is Joyce Mita Gadenzi versus Agnes Aurelio in what's like a warehouse where they're storing Napoleon's mask. So they're both having to break in pretty much. You know, they're both master thieves and- Agnes Raleigh was breaking in to steal it. Joyce Cadenzi's breaking in to stop her from stealing it. So when they run into each other, they're having this fight scene, but they have to stay very quiet because they don't want to alert the guards. So what we get is, you know, it's kind of acrobatic in a sense. They're they're jumping over things, trying to knock, knock things over. And this is one of the scenes I mentioned earlier where you're expecting the camera to cut right when a certain acrobatic move is done, but instead it stays on there and you see, oh my God, that's... Joyce Cadenzi, she did that herself. Yeah. Not so much on Agnes Aurelia's end, but the obviously this is a showcase for our star, Joyce Cadenzi, and she does a lot of flips and rolls and tumbles that, as I said, maybe one or two of them had a slight wire assistance, but it's still her. And I'm not even convinced there was any wire work done, but some of the movements she does looks like peaking opera style. I'm like, wow. You know, the fact that she was able to pull that off and then eventually... They end up knocking something over and then actually just kills one of the guards and then it becomes a full-fledged thing. But, uh, you know, the fight continues. They break into the main, like, room and it's, at this point, much more of a straightforward fight. But there's one triple kick sequence that I, right Mm -hmm. after we got out, where, once again, that is 100% Joyce Cadenzi, no cuts, you see her. And for your basic martial arts star, someone like Jackie, you and Bial, nothing necessarily to write home about, but I was just so impressed she did it. So pretty much she does, like, a jump-spinning hook kick and lounge with that momentum, goes straight into like a sweeping kick or like a dragon tail, as some people call it, then comes up and does, I believe, a spinning back kick. So it's all in like one cut where it's three kicks in a row mm-hmm. done. You know, you kind of use the momentum and keep going, which we, we've seen something like this a million times from Jackie or Yuen Biao or, you know, other martial arts stars. But just to see her do it so flawlessly you're like, wow, she seems like a veteran martial artist. And in the end, uh, Joyce Mina Cadenzi escapes. Agnes Aurelio is captured. And the funny part is Joyce Cadenzi like feels bad that she left her there to get captured. It's out of her control pretty much. But I'm like, no, Agnes Aurelio is terrible. She's murdered people. She threw you in prison, like framed you and put you in prison. I mean, yeah, you were not innocent, but she's a bad person. She deserves to go to jail. Don't feel bad, Joyce Cadenzi. Right, but that, that also does show the difference between the two sisters because- even for hearkening back to the very first scene, she was trying to guide her sister to the right path. And so it's like, it's it's an admission of the failure to get the sister on the right path. So it's, it's, it's nice because even towards the very end, it just shows that um, her character was sympathetic towards and had love towards her sister. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, then, yeah, that's pretty much what we should mention. Then that's where you get the literal cameo from Sammo Hung. It's the final shot of the group of police officers like finding Agnes Aurelio. And it, it, I'm not talking a couple seconds. We're talking a fraction of a second that you see them. And then the yeah. camera cuts away. You see Sammo for about maybe not even a half a second. It's like less than a half say, a yeah, second. It's somewhere, around, it's somewhere around half a second. I mean, you see a portion of his body for longer than that, but it pans down from his face down to the box, um, shorter than any any cameo of uh, Hitchcock. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, at least with Hitchcock, you have time to say, oh, look, it's Hitchcock. There he is. Oh, okay. Or Stan Lee in the Marvel movies. Oh, look, yeah. it's Stan Lee. Okay. No, this one is, oh. And then you don't have any time. Yeah. It's not as short as the fake cameo of Jackie Chan in uh, The Protector. Right. This is true. So, any so, final thoughts on the movie? Well, I'll tell you what. The movie experience, my experience at the Academy, uh, the very nice dinner, the very great gift shop, the seats, the screening, the presentation, the 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 early access to the oral history of Samuel Hung, A triple plus across the board. It was great. We had uh, Guru Duffy join us. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Owen couldn't join us for the screening as well, but... Uh, the film itself, again, like just getting access to a film I hadn't seen before and having it be everything I would want from a Hong Kong film. It's just A++ across the board. Uh, I need to see it a few more times before I could give the film itself an actual grade. It's probably somewhere in the B grade, but man, that was fun. And thank you for grabbing the tickets because... I could have easily just fallen back on, hey, we got rehearsals, I can't make it. Or, you know, I'll try to make it. You made it happen, so thank you. Hey, uh, I'm just glad I saw it. And I hope that maybe every year with, because this was definitely part of AAPI Heritage Month. Yes. Every year I would be down for, and there's so many stars you can do this with. Let's let's next year do, uh, I mean, they could easily do a Michelle Yeoh month. I'd imagine that they kind of curate this like way in advance. Otherwise, they probably would have due to the fact she won the Academy Award. But uh, but also see Samuel Hung winning the Lifetime Achievement Award. I, I mean, they could. There's so many different themed months they can do. Whether they want to stick with one actor, mm-hmm. or whether they want to uh, do it more of like a theme, like the Girls with Guns subgenre, or the Wuxia or Shaw Brothers. Uh, ooh, that would be a treat because I've I've never really seen. Have I seen any classic Shaw Brothers on the big screen? There was one night at the New Beverly, there was a double feature that I got to see. And it was this group that had brought film down from Canada, a theater that had closed. But other than that, I don't know about you, but like my experience with Shaw on the big screen is extremely limited. And I think to one night in my entire life. Well, there we go. Okay, so uh, Language Corner, pretty boring. But uh, we'll teach us how to uh, say steal, which is the same word as head, but a different tone. So, or uh, toll, toll, yeah, T-O-U, toll, which can also be thief, you know, whether uh, or mingsu. So whether it's a verb or a noun, so. I'll give you the Japanese word then for thief. Dorobo. Okay, so similar. Which is like toll, dorobo, but not really. But I mean, similar, similar. All right. Yeah. yeah. So not not the most uh, exciting one, but uh, I did look before to try to find something uh, like maybe better. But I was like, no, I guess just toll. It's that easy. But uh, yeah. So there we go. Awesome movie. Awesome experience. Thank you once again, the Academy of uh, Museum of Motion Pictures. Definitely go check it out. We didn't get the chance to go to like go through the actual museum, but we did go to the bookstore where I got to purchase a couple of fantastic books I've been wanting to pick up, uh, which I'll post about on social media. So that is great. And then we got to go to the restaurant and have mm-hmm. an amazing dinner. Delicious. So, once again, we didn't get to our popcorn fix. Gavin and I are popcorn fiends, but we had a fantastic dinner, which I'll also share some of those pictures. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the next time we get to go there. Uh, and yeah. So like, subscribe, download, follow us on Instagram. AJ uh, manages that handle. Follow us on Twitter. I manage that handle. DM us with questions. Yes. Uh, comments. Yes. Uh, which does remind me, I do have one question for you. Uh, Benny the Jets flying across the table that was filled with heroin, back kick mm-hmm. to Yumbial's throat. Uh-huh. Were there wires used? That's an excellent question. And I would have to say yes, simply because physics-wise, the, the way he jumps from that table, you would need momentum. Like if he got to run, jump on the table, carry that momentum. But it just, I don't know, man. You know, that's another I, yeah, one. I, just I was like re- the Casanova long kick in Warriors 2, where like you're like, I, I 
that has to be wire work, but yet physically, where would the wire be? And it doesn't, and then like you find out, no, they, he did the kick for real. So, I mean, it is possible he did it for real. Like, uh, I know. I, I, and my thing, my, I was actually thinking the kick was for real, air quote for real. Uh, but the impact, I feel like they had to pull some strings. Well, I think but maybe ob- not. Obviously, I think the impact's real, whether they're using yes. wires or not, because, but UNB out most likely had some sort of pad underneath, and he obviously runs chest forward like yeah. he's ready to take it because there's there really there's no good way to take that <laughs> kick uh yeah. even if sensei benny's pulling it or whatever but awesome ending question i love it uh yeah looking forward to recording our next episode and you'll be hearing about another one of these special screenings in the next few weeks because yes indeed gavin and i are going to be hanging out again real soon so we'll announce it on social media uh Hopefully, we will see you all there. Anyway, this has been fun. Thank you, my friend. Take care. Peace.